Hey guys, welcome to Hallowed Groundling. I hope everybody's doing really well. I haven't seen you guys in so long. Well, I don't see you actually, but I haven't talked to you in so long. (laughs) Um, You know, it's been a really crazy couple of weeks. I got married, had a fantastic wedding at the Providence Athenaeum, and uh, had a little mini honeymoon as well. And we're back. Um, This is actually, I'm actually recording this on October 21st. Um, I had planned to release on Friday and then yesterday, but it's been a pretty pretty crazy couple of weeks. Um, And I also caught a virus, which is unfortunate. So I've been kind of home recovering. And unfortunately, I have not seen the new Halloween movie yet. I'm I'm hearing nothing but wonderful things, uh, but I'm kind of staying away from the social media side of it because I don't want to get anything spoiled for me, but I've heard it's fantastic. Uh, and a few of my dear friends who are very, very vehement critics uh, loved it actually, which is, which is pretty cool. So I'm probably going to try to see it this week um, after work one day, like on a Wednesday or something like that. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to see it this Wednesday, probably because I don't want to wait too long to see it because I'm super excited to see it. So that being said, here we are. As I said, it is October 21st. Halloween is coming right up. So the next few podcasts are going to be all things Halloween. I am so excited about this. I love Halloween. I love this time of year. Of course I do because I'm a horror fan. So (laughs) I think it goes with the territory. You have to be a big fan of Halloween in order to be a big fan of horror. And I want to cover the Halloween series for you guys. And tonight's podcast is going to be only about the very first film, the original Halloween, because I thought, you know, I want to focus in on this one. And then my next couple after this are going to, I'm going to double up. I'm going to do it kind of fun. I want to, um, you know, pair things up and talk about them because I have, you know, the ones I love and the ones I don't love so much. And, um, but I want to kind of go over all of them with you guys and, uh, leading right up into, uh, the holiday, obviously. And, um, once I see the new one, I'm going to talk about that a little bit as well, but I don't want to give any spoilers to that either. So let's dive right in. Uh, let's talk about Halloween, 1978 Halloween directed by the wonderful John Carpenter and uh, co-written with John and Deborah Hill. Um, so this movie came out, as I said, in 1978. Um, it has a very interesting history to it. Um, it you know, the, the, the original kind of story came about and they wanted to do this, you know, whole this movie about babysitters. Um, Deborah Hill had experience being a babysitter. She knew what it was like. And, you know, I know that when I saw the movie, I was a babysitter too. And, you know, I never had boyfriends over because I was kind of a giant nerd. But I, I remember being creeped out, being alone at night, you know, after the kids had gone to bed. And I remember what it was like, you know, you call, you talk to your friends on the phone and, and do all that same stuff. So that was very relatable, obviously. And Deborah Hill knew about this. And then, you know, John Carpenter got into the mix too as well. And they, you know, came up with this, this idea for the film. And... I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. It really is. It's not perfect, but it's a wonderful movie, and it still creeps me out. Every time I watch it, I know everything that's going to happen. I've seen it a gajillion times, but it still wigs me out, and I still love it after all these years. And I think Michael's one of the, the scariest villains from a horror movie ever. Because he's, there's nothing there. He's just, he's, he's got no motive. It's just he's a killer, and that's all he is, you know. Um, 
you know, we'll discuss some of the series as we go on, and we'll talk about some of the other films and how they, they kind of give him some of a backstory. Of, you know, the Rob Zombie movies, obviously, give him more of a backstory so you find out a little bit more about Michael and maybe give him a little bit more motivation why he does what he does. But the original film, you know, there's no reasoning behind it. He literally, you know, in the opening scene, he, you know, he kills his sister. Um, let me give you a synopsis. I'm like, running all over the place today. (laughs) Um, For those of you who have never seen Halloween, and I'm very sorry if you haven't, um, Halloween is uh, basically the story as it starts out with a young boy named Michael Myers who um, murders his sister. Uh, It's Halloween night. He uh, doesn't get get to go out trick-or-treating. He's dressed up as a clown. He comes home. His sister's with her boyfriend. There's this amazing opening shot that is a continuous shot that goes around. It does have a couple of cuts in it. It's got like three cuts, but it's pretty solid. And a uh, fun little fact, it took two days for them to film that opening scene. And um, they basically, he you know goes upstairs, his, the boyfriend leaves, and he murders his sister. And the next thing we see is it jumps ahead, and the doctor who has been taking care of him, Dr. Loomis, he is um, finding out that Michael is on trial to, to be released, and he's coming to the, the um, hospital to say, do not release him. He is, they, you know, there's something wrong with him. You have to leave him in the hospital. And uh, he escapes during that time. They're, all the, the uh, men get out, and he escapes. And he steals the car that they're in, and he drives back to Haddonfield. And when he gets back to Haddonfield, he um, starts to just kind of stalk around these girls that are there, and one of them, of course, is... Uh, Laurie Strode, played by the wonderful Jamie Lee Curtis. And uh, he just seems to be following her. And her friends are around, too, as well. And they're they're going to babysit. They're going to be across the street from each other. And Michael comes in and slowly takes out everybody <laughs> until Laurie is left um, all alone, pretty much, except for the kids. The kids do make it out. But, um, you know, that's that's the basic premise of it. There's not there's not a whole heck of a lot more. Um, Dr. Loomis, of course, is, is trying to track down Michael, and um, he does, of course, by the end, and uh, shoots him. And then when he comes out in the balcony, of course, Michael's gone. Um, and that uh, leads into the fantastic theme music of, of Halloween. So pretty cool stuff. We love that. That's the, that's the synopsis of Halloween. Um, let me give you some, some fun facts about Halloween. So uh, only Jamie Lee Curtis uh, was actually a teenager out of all the, the people that played teenagers, PJ Souls um, and uh, Nancy Keys. All of them were adults. They were older. Uh, Jamie was the only one that was actually a teenager, which I found really fascinating. Um, the film had a very small budget. It had a $300,000 budget. And um, I mean, that's tiny for any time of day, but that's, that's pretty tiny for now, too. Um, it earned uh, $47 million in the box office, which is basically basically now, pardon me on that, sorry about that, <laughs> basically now the uh, equivalent to $150 million, actually in 2008, it was the equivalent to, 200, to uh, $150 million. And so it made it one of the most successful indie films of all time. Um, and half their budget was actually spent on the Panavision cameras. So they spent $150,000 on just the cameras. The rest went to everything else. Um, they didn't have any money for wardrobe. So all the clothes you see were provided by the actors, uh, which is a very familiar thing for, for people that do like community theater and stuff. You always end up providing your own clothes because there's never a budget to go into costuming, unfortunately. Very rarely is there. Um, 
And, you know, one of the neat things about this film, as I said, because so Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode, is the virtuous one. She she doesn't have a boyfriend. You know, she's kind of the nerd and she survives. And for years, uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill both said that they had no intention of kind of spreading a message that, you know, the the virginal message, like if you, you if you're a virgin, you'll survive, you know, like you shouldn't have fun. Their thing was always, you know, that the other girls were too distracted by their boyfriends not to notice that a killer was at large. But there was kind of a message under there. Probably not their, I don't think it was their intention, but it definitely is an underlying theme in the film. You know, if, if you did this, you know, like that's what happens to you. And it's, you know, I don't think that they intended for that to happen. But of course, that, that message has been spread far and wide in all horror movies, <laughs> all stalker horror movies, basically. Um, he, uh, so when uh, John Carpenter, you know, made the film, of course, he um, he wanted Jamie Lee because, of course, she's the daughter of Janet Lee, who's from Psycho. And, you know, John Carpenter is a huge Hitchcock fan, of course, who isn't? And uh, he, he loves him so much. So he was very excited to have her be in the film, to have another link to that, um, to her and to, to, to Alfred Hitchcock, and because Janet Lee is the quintessential, you know, scream queen from that. Um, I'm sure everybody knows that the Michael Myers mask was originally a William Shatner mask. Uh, they had actually originally, I guess they bought two masks and one was a clown mask and it was just incredibly creepy. They liked the William Shatner mask. Once they had made the eye holes bigger, they paled the face out, they dyed the hair brown and they liked the look of it when it was all white because it, it like had no expression and that just made it even more terrifying. So that that's why they ended up using that mask. Um, Donald Pleasance, who is fantastic. He plays, uh, Loomis and Dr. Loomis, and he is wonderful in the film. He's a great character actor. He was just fantastic in the movie. And um, he was actually paid $20,000 of the budget uh, for his five days of filming because he was like the most well-known actor. So they had to give him a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost in pay. And, uh, you know, John Carpenter was really excited to have him on the film, although he kind of intimidated him a little bit when he first met him. Um, but they ended up being very good friends. And, of course, John the Pleasance did multiple John Carpenter movies over the years. And uh, he did stay on as Dr. Loomis in a few of the sequels as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I, I love him in, 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 the, in the original Halloween. I think he's fantastic. He's, he's great in all of them, but he's a really great actor and a, and a wonderful character. Um, and speaking of Dr. Loomis, uh, John Carpenter, before he gave the role to Donald Pleasance, he actually approached both Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee to play Dr. Loomis. And, uh, they didn't want to take it because the pay was too low, the $20,000. They didn't want, they wanted more than that to work the five days. And, uh, Christopher Lee, I guess, famously said afterwards that it was one of the biggest mistakes that he ever made. He, he really regretted not doing Dr. Loomis because what a great, you know, he said like it was such great exposure and it was such a great character and. You know, he really regretted not doing the film. You know, it's unfortunate, but I think we lucked out. I think it all works out in the end, even though I love Christopher Lee and, you know, anything he did was wonderful, but I think we lucked out. Um, some of the other neat little tidbits I found out while I was doing some research about the film was um, PJ Souls, who I love in the movie as Linda. She's just wonderfully vapid and silly and, you know, totally just great. She's just wonderful. She makes me laugh every single time I watch the movie. Um she told a really funny story about how when she saw the film the first time, she was sitting in the movie theater uh, with her boyfriend and 
<laughs> when the scene came up where she drops the sheet and says, see anything you like, there was a guy sitting in front of them and said, hell yes, I do. And it made her laugh really hard. And uh, her boyfriend turned and said, you know, do you want me to go confront him? Like he got kind of upset. And she's like, no, that was hilarious. And it turned out the boyfriend actually was Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid was, was PJ Soul's boyfriend at the time. He was actually supposed to play the role of Bob. Um, Bob is uh, her her boyfriend in the film, Linda's boyfriend, who ends up getting the the knife through the chest in the closet, and Michael does the head tilt, looking at him after he you know kind of skewers him into the closet. And uh, uh, John Michael Graham ended up getting the role because Dennis Quaid he had uh, some kind of conflict and he couldn't play the part, which I thought was really neat. I, I had never heard that before, and I was uh, I was excited to hear that uh, that Dennis Quaid was almost going to be involved and almost beat up, you know, some audience member because he was, uh, you know, flirting with PJ on the screen. I don't know how you'd put that, but I thought that was a pretty funny story. So, um, and I love her. I, I really want to meet her. I've never met her before. And she's somebody that I I'm dying to meet, um, at one of the conventions. I'm hoping, hoping I'll get to see her at some point. Um, so, and, and speaking of PJ as well, uh, John wrote that character, with Deborah Hill for PJ specifically after he had seen her in Carrie. Um, she's of course fantastic in Carrie. Um, I believe her character's name is Nancy. If I'm not, no, is it Nancy? I'm not, I'm, am I, I think I have it wrong, but he, I love, I love her in that film too. She's like a wonderful bad girl, um, just nasty and mean. And, uh, he loved her in that. So he wanted her in Halloween and he wrote that specifically, wrote Linda specifically for her. Um, I thought that was kind of cute kind of cool, you know, um, a couple of other, you know, things as well. I want to mention Nancy Keys who played Annie, who was another friend and, and, um, she's fantastic too. Like the girls are great in the movie, uh, along with, um, Charles Cyphers who played, uh, Sheriff Brackett. Um, Nick Castle also played the role of the shape, uh, which is what they called Michael Myers when he was in, you know, his costume in the, in the, um, with the mask and everything. He was called, called the shape, not Michael Myers. And, uh, Nick Castle played him. Nick Castle is also coming back, uh, for, he came back, I should say, for the newest one as well to play him in some of the scenes. Uh, I assume in the non-action scenes, you know, like they'd have somebody else playing him when it's like stunt work because he must be in his 60s at this point um although you know we got jamie lee curtis still kicking ass 40 years later as laurie so i'm so excited to see the new film i cannot wait i've I've actually like i was unfortunate that i came down with a virus because i you know i had to stay home for a few days and i was like i so want to see this movie (laughs) um but i had uh you know i had good plans and all i did come back from new york i I went to new york on my honeymoon and uh, i took that great picture in times square Michael was on that gigantic billboard. I came around the corner and squealed when I saw it. So I had to take a photo and send it out to you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, So some other cool facts about Halloween. Uh, I liked this as well. Donald Pleasance actually took the role of of Loomis because his daughter, uh, Lucy, who's a musician, loved John Carpenter's score that he made for Assault on Precinct recent 13 and uh, she thought he was a fantastic composer which he is and uh, she told her daddy should take the role because he's a pretty cool guy who can not only direct but he can compose music really beautifully um, my husband and I actually just got to see John Carpenter uh, last November when he was um, 
performing in Boston. Uh, he did all of his music with a, a live band, and uh, they played clips from the films behind him. What a wonderful show. He was he was fantastic. Um, his music is beautiful, too. I mean, it's he just does gorgeous scores. And his scores are so recognizable. You hear them and you, you know, it's him. You know, he just has this great sound to him that is, is perfect. It's almost like, um, you know, uh, the Danny Elfman scores from the Tim Burton films. You, you know, those are Danny Elfman. Like when you hear a Danny Elfman score, you know it, you know, because he's just got this way about him. Not that they're all similar, but they just have this vibe to them that, you know, some, some people have that in their, you know, writing or in their, uh, their music or whatever it is in their cadence, the way they are, that it's just, you know, it's a it's a it's a vibe just to them, and that's something that John Carpenter has with his music and his films. His films all have the look too; they have his look, his stamp. Kind of Tarantino's the same way, you know. You can go on and on. There's plenty of them. Hitchcock, everybody has that kind of. You know, you can tell. You know, when you're watching a film by a certain person or listening to music by a certain um, composer. Um. In 2006, uh, this was preserved for the U.S. National Film Registry by the Library of Congress uh, as being a film that needed to be preserved for all time um, because of its social, I believe it was because they said its um, it's social, uh, not, I, I don't know, I'm having a brain fart at the moment, but it's it basically it's its contribution to to the to the social structure or something <laughs> I'm so putting that poorly but they did they they gave it uh, they protected it so it's now a protected film by the Library of Congress which I thought was pretty cool um, while during the movie uh, the kids are watching a, the thing from another planet the thing from another world on TV and of course you know John went on to direct the thing it was kind of his little oh look what I'm about to do <laughs> um, a couple of other neat little facts that I found out was uh, uh, when Siskel and Ebert were asked what the scariest film they'd ever seen was, um, they said that this was one of the scariest films they'd ever seen. And apparently Gene Siskel uh, took a cab home from the theater, even though he only lived like two blocks away. <laughs> and when he got home, he pulled the shower curtain back um, <laughs> to, to see if like anybody was behind it. He was completely freaked out during the movie. Can't say I blame them. Um, and uh, the, one other thing about this movie too is that there aren't, there isn't a lot of gore. You know, there there's barely any actually. You don't see much. You know, it's and and the reason that John did that was he reserved the gore because he had done a lot of gore and assault on Precinct Thirteen, and I think he wanted to kind of pull back on it to, um, you know, give the give the audience a little bit more mystery behind what was happening and not be so grossed out by what was happening. Um, I remember seeing this film for the first time. Um, <coughs> pardon me. I uh, I was being babysat. I remember I was probably about nine years old, and uh, my babysitter actually was watching it. Which bless her, you know, she must have been really brave. Um, <laughs> and I remember hearing the music. I remember being in bed and hearing the music, and the music just made me go, "What is what is that? What is that movie?" You know. And um, I came out, and she said, "Oh, you know, you're not old enough to watch this. No, 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 you know." And I was intrigued, of course, you know, and then um, I took a big break from seeing horror films, as I told you guys the story about when I saw Pet Cemetery. Um, and when I was like 15, 16, I started seeing all the horror movies, and I ended up watching Halloween with a friend of mine, and uh, he and I, you know, watched it at my house. And I just remember I loved it so much. I, we watched it in the dark. I was completely freaked out. 
I saw his face everywhere. Like I was seeing him coming out of shadows, especially that last wonderful scene where Lori is, you know, discovering all the bodies of her friends and she stands in front of that closet and Michael just kind of transforms out of the closet. You just, he, that shot is so amazingly beautiful. Um, and he just like comes right out of the closet and there he is, you know, in, in the flesh and uh, starts chasing her down. It's just a really great film. I mean, uh, you can fight me on it if you'd like. I don't care. But it's, it is it is a very scary film, very well done. It's got great acting in it. Um, you know, I believe everybody. I believe all the teenagers. I believe in all their, um, you know, they're as silly and vapid as some of them are. You know, I, I believe in them because it is such a well-told story and a very scary story. You know, it's it's like I think of it every Halloween. It come it it floats by my mind while I'm like handing candy out to kids. It will float, you know, and I think of it and I think of how how creepy the story is, how wonderfully creepy it is, and I um I just think it's a it's a fantastic tale. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is amazing in this movie. Uh, she's you know she's wonderful in everything. I I think she's a fantastic actor. I'm really excited that she's back as Laurie again, and I, um, I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with the story, um, that it's actually like a sequel to the original where, you know, she's not his, his sister, you know, that, that little storyline was taken away, and, you know, I just want to see this, you know, this woman who's been waiting all these years to seek revenge, basically, on this guy who, who did this to her, you know, um, it's, it's, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see it. So that is my take on the first Halloween film, a little short uh, podcast for you today. Um, I'm sorry it's been a few weeks. It's just been a busy, busy time. Uh, I'm going to get right back into the swing of it, though. Uh, I'm going to be putting out another one in, um, I think, the next, probably the next couple of days, actually. I'm not going to wait too long because I want to go right into them Um and talk about all the Halloweens right through Halloween. Um, and there's a lot of them. So <laughs> uh, I think next week we're going to be doing probably two, three, and four. Um, or this next podcast, I should say, doing two, three, and four. To, uh, or maybe two and three. And then do like four, five, six. I don't know. But it'll be, a, it'll be, it'll be good. I wanted to d- totally dedicate the first one to the, the first film because I love it so much. And I said it needs its own little little podcast because it is, it is an incredible film. And uh, I can't wait to see the new one. And um, I'll hopefully have seen the new one by the time I put out the next one for you guys so I can tell you what I thought of it. And I want to hear what you guys thought of it, too. Please, once I see it, please, we want, let's talk about uh, how people feel about it. I can't wait to hear your thoughts and opinions, too. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Um, enjoy the fall. Enjoy getting ready for Halloween. Uh, enjoy getting your Halloween costumes together. And, um, you know, if you're babysitting, just, uh, you know, don't have your boyfriend over. That's all I can say. You know, that's the best advice I can give. I'll see you guys soon. Stay spooky.